Yeah. I'm off tomorrow, so uh, <laughs> bye. <everybody. laughs> Way more than Dennis Pitt ever made. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We continue our preview of the opponents for the Cougars. Of course, Arizona's season opener. Right after that, 53 days away from today, September 11th, BYU hosting uh, the Utah Utes, which is going to be crazy given they didn't play last year. They're not playing the next two years. We bring in the voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, now uh, to talk about it. Bill, welcome to the program. And this game is worth four years' worth, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, yeah. I, to be very fair, I, I hate the fact that it's not going to be played. It's only going to be played once in four years because I love this game. And so, but I understand why they're doing it. The home and home with Florida was a huge deal. So uh, that's it. But yeah, this, this is one of those things where, you know, BYU's talked for a few years about trying to end the streak, and Utah likes to extend the streak. And the streak will kind of remain intact if Utah wins for a couple of more years. So um, it's a shame in some ways we didn't get a chance to see the game last year, uh, but I'm just happy it's back this year. What's the uh, the mood of the fan base, Bill, right now when uh, when they talk Utah football? How excited are they? How much uh, excitement has grown because of last year and only having a couple of games to play? What's the mood with the fan base right now heading into this season? Well, I think there's a lot of excitement, Chef. I do. Um, it's I, I've likened it a lot to the 2018 season where we knew Utah was going to be pretty good, but we weren't quite sure how good. Tyler Huntley hadn't really become Tyler Huntley. Zach Moss was good, but he wasn't being talked about nationally yet. There's a lot of talent in this program. As you guys know, Kyle's recruited so very well. Uh, 19 returning starters, and then they've used the transfer portal really, really well uh, to fill in some of the gaps. So. I would say, Shep, it could mean something or it could mean nothing. Ah. And as somebody, I I, as, <laughs> as somebody who produced your show for five years, I have heard that many, many times. <laughs> and it rings true every single time. Oh, it, it, But I, I think it's going to be a fun year this year. The Pac-12 South is really tight. SC is always good. ASU's got a lot of hype around them. Um, Herm's come in and created some hype. Now there's some hype that's not so good down there. And, you know, what I've always said is Utah's the kind of the consistent. You know what you're going to get just about every year. Some years SC's really good. Some years they're not. ASU gets a lot of hype. But to me, the consistent team is Utah. And then in the north, it's probably Oregon and Washington and everybody else. But I, I would say there's a, a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around the program this year. Um, and a lot of it has to do just simply with the fact that they have a lot of talent returning from last year's shortened season. Yeah, it's interesting because BYU is going to play four of the six in the South plus Washington State, so BYU fans paying attention to the Pac-12 South race as well because of that. So um, obviously quarterback's a big deal, a lot of returning starters. Obviously the tragic and terrible death of Ty Jordan is a storyline that will emanate throughout this season as well, but at quarterback, Charlie Brewer, if you get the 2018 Charlie Brewer – you're talking about some big-time things. If you get the 2019 or 20 Charlie Brewer, maybe it's different. So we'll see Cam Rising coming back from injury, competing there and some others. So who is it Charlie Brewer versus the field, or is Cam Rising going to challenge for that spot? 
Well, if Cam Rising's healthy, and, and I don't know yet because I haven't seen any medicals on him, but if he's healthy, I think he challenges. He won the job a year ago. He's a really talented quarterback. The one thing that he doesn't have that Charlie Brewer has is four years of starting experience at the Power 5 level. Um, and to your point, Jerem, you know, last year Charlie Brewer went through a coaching change, a new offensive system, a little less talented Baylor. If you get the Charlie Brewer of 18, 19, or 17, 18, 19, when he was Big 12 freshman of the year, I think you've got a really good quarterback. I think Utah's in good shape quarterback-wise. Whoever wins the job, the backup's going to be really, really talented. Um, but I, I would tell you right now, if I was putting money on one of them, I'd probably lean toward Brewer because we know he's healthy and we know he's got four years of experience. But I'm not going to count on Cam Rising just yet. You know, Bill, one of the things that you can almost just pencil it in, regardless of the season, regardless of the situation, when you think of Utah football, there are certain things that you know are just going to be the way it is. They're always going to be able to run the football really, really well, going to have a very good offensive line, and they're going to be dominant on the defensive front. Any reason to believe that's not going to be the case again this season? No, the lines are going to be really good, Chip. Uh, they are. Last year was a little bit of a transition. You're getting some guys' experience, but Jim Harding's got 10. He said 10 guys who could start for me. He believes it's the deepest, and Kyle Whittingham does too, the deepest offensive line unit they've ever had. They're going to be really good up there, and then the defensive line is just silly. The word I heard a couple of times late spring and early summer is the line is back to being nasty again, and that's where they were a couple of years ago. And everybody's excited around here because for the first time in a number of years, there's a Kafusi on the roster. Devin's going to be here uh, playing for, for Utah, and he's going to hold down one of those two starting inside tackle spots, probably alongside of, uh, you know, one of the Putu Tals or maybe Vianney Mawala. The defensive end spots are really good as well. And we just saw the highlight of, of Devin Lloyd, who might be the best linebacker that Utah's ever had. I mean, ever, ever wow, had. That's he, he's, a, he's a probably a day two draftee. And he checks all the boxes. And then right next to him is the Sewell that nobody talks about, Nephi Sewell, who quietly had a really good year last year transitioning from safety to linebacker. So um, the defense is going to be, you know, in the words of a, of, a, of a coach I talked to in the spring, nasty again this year. Let's, let's talk about defectors. <laughs> you have Samson Nakua transferring down to be with Puka, right, uh, at receiver, and then, of course, Devin. So bigger impact on the game from those two, uh, Samson and Devin, who have switched sides in this. That's a really good question, Jerem, because I think Devin, Devin we saw glimpses of last year, and I know he's really worked hard on his game. Uh, your partners, uh, your partner guys, uh, Spencer Litton, who was on my radio show last week, I told him, I said, I, I think Samson Nakua is going to have a bigger impact on BYU's offense this year than Puka Nakua is. I know Puka got a lot of hype out of high school. He didn't do much in two years up at, up at the University of Washington. And I talked to some people up there that said they, they, they feel like he, he didn't really give what he could have. And Samson's a kid that's coming to BYU to play with his brother. He's coming down there to have an impact this year. I think he has a really big year in that offense. He's a really good kid who's got a lot of upside to him. So that that's kind of my BYU wide receiver hot take is I think Samson might have a bigger year than Puka does down there for, mm -hmm. for Aaron Roderick. Let's stay, let's stay with Samson. For those that may not have been able to see him during his career at Utah, what does he bring to the field? Well, he brings a goofiness that, 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 there's, <laughs> that every team probably needs to have. He's a clown, but he's a great kid. Uh, I'll tell you what he's really, really good at. He's not a speedster. He's maybe not the most athletic guy. 
I don't know that Utah had a better guy of going and finding and getting the ball when it was on in the air than he did. There were some catches that he made, one in particular along the sideline a couple of years ago up at UW uh, that, that set them up in a goal-to-go situation. He is excellent at adjusting and making plays on the ball in the air. So if you throw it up to him, there's a really good chance he's going to come down with it. I want to say there was a game at Colorado where he had a couple of touchdown catches in the snow that were just ridiculous. So yeah, he's got he's got great. Ball yeah, he had skills. a one. Yeah, it was a one hander against Colorado in the snow. You're right, Jeremy. Yeah, just crazy catch. Okay, at, at running back, obviously some big time program names coming in. T.J. Pledger comes in as the number two from Oklahoma, and of course Chris Curry from LSU. Michael Bernard's the incumbent. Who do you see being kind of the main guy toting the rock? It's a little bit like last year. You know, we came into the season last year saying, well, there's no Zach Moss. They'll do it by committee. And then this young man out of Texas, Ty Jordan, just emerged after a game and a half. Um, you know, I talked to Kyle McDonald, the running backs coach, last week, and he said, hey, if we got to go by committee, we'll go by committee. If I had to guess one guy to emerge, though, I like Pledger, young man from Oklahoma. He just got caught up in a numbers game. When he played last year, he had great numbers. He ran for 450 yards, almost six yards of carry a couple of touchdowns and 130 yards in the Red River shootout against Texas. He just got caught up in a numbers game, and he kind of fits that profile. He's good in pass pro. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's got good burst, pretty good toughness, not real big. He's kind of built – he's somewhere in that kind of that between uh, John White and Zach Moss from a size standpoint. But uh, if I had to pick one of those guys to emerge, it would probably be T.J. Pledger. But I think all three or four of those guys can really run him. Bill, it's been a while since Britton Covey's been fully healthy. Is he entering his uh, 11th season on the Hill uh, fully healthy this year? Well, he got his AARP card this summer. Very so nice. he, was, he was happy Very enough nice. in it. A lot of senior discounts at Chuckarama. So he's really he's having dinner at four. The- he's eating at four. Yeah. yeah the, 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 he, and in fact, <laughs> he bought a retirement place at Del Boca Vista Phase 3 this nice. summer, too. Nice. Uh, Very nice. But he, he has had, it's funny you say that, Chip, because he is healthy. He said, I really haven't felt completely healthy since um, coming back from my mission. And before that first season back, when he was absolutely nearly killed by Washington in that regular season game, he said he feels great, um, ready to be a leader. They've got some options at wide receiver, but but I I think you're going to see a little bit more Britton Covey than just kind of the short underneath routes. I I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways this year uh, down the field as a wide receiver and not just around the line of scrimmage. Is Brent Keithy, uh, who's one of the best tight ends in the country, is he, is he the number one offensive weapon for Utah? I would say so, Jerem. Just based on production and the way Andy Ludwig likes to use him, you know, he's kind of a collegiate version of a, of a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle where he's just kind of a matchup problem for linebackers or safeties or corners, depending on who you put on him. Just a really, really good athlete. Um, but here's the thing. They've got three guys who would start for probably just about anybody in the Pac-12. Cole Fotheringham behind him, and then Dalton Schultz, who was a University of San Diego transfer. They like all three of those guys. So I think Andy Ludwig, who loves using tight ends, is going to get real creative this year. But as far as proven commodities and the way Andy likes to use his offense, I'd say Keithy's probably the number one option. Is it Pac-12 South title or bust? Is anything less than that going to be disappointing to the Utes? I think so, because I picked him on my ballot to win the Pac-12 South this year. I, I don't. There, there's not a lot of weakness on this team. I, I will say this. They don't have a proven punter for maybe the first time in a decade. So 
uh, you know, and so there's not an Aussie guy that's a proven guy like a Hackett or a Wishnowski or a Sakota before that. But if you look at every other position group, even place kicker, they're too deep or three deep or four deep. So, yeah, I think, you know, Jason, I think they're at a point now where if you don't win the Pac-12, it's not just good enough to get there. You, you win the Pac-12 South. You're a favorite. You're, your program's in a good spot. Sure. So I would say yes. I, I think Kyle Whittingham's got the program to a point now where um, winning the Pac-12 South's an expectation, and now they've got to go win the conference. Bill, let's finish with this. What are your thoughts on uh, BYU going into 2021? I think that Kalani has done a wonderful job. I think six years in, he's got the program stabilized. I think that, you know, they're playing, again, a ridiculous schedule. Would have been great to see the, the, them play it a year ago with all that NFL talent they had. But I don't think that they're a point now where, you know, a couple of years ago, they, were, they would stumble against an Akron or a Toledo or somebody like that. They'd knock off a USC and then stub their toe against Arkansas State, whatever that might happen to be. I don't think they do that anymore. I, I think they're at a point now, and I think the culture of what's expected is, is ingrained in that program. So I think they're going to be good. How good, I don't know. I, I think their range is probably five and seven to eight and four. Uh, on the air the other day, I was doing picks for all the in-state teams. I said they would be seven and five. Um, I think they knock off a couple of power five teams. Um, I think they stumble somewhere against some others. But I, I think seven and five is really realistic with maybe an eight and four season mixed in there too. Am I, am I wrong on that? Am I off on that? I know Ben Criddle loses his mind when you do anything but pick somebody to go 12-0. and 0. So he texted me right away. But what do you guys think? 7-5, and 8-4? We think 12-0. and 0. No, uh, no, we think 7-8. Uh, yes, uh, yes. 7 or 8 right there, is, that's kind of the sweet spot. Anything yeah. above that, then it's a, it's a pretty special year. Yeah. I think so, too, because that schedule, that's tough, man. Yeah. And even some of the group of five teams they play are not going to be necessarily cakewalks. Obviously, Boise's in there as well. But um, I'm really interested to see how they play in that Virginia game because I don't think Bronco, based on what I've read, has a very good Virginia team this year. I think they're going to be down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see them him come back to uh, Lavelle Edwards and, and coach against Kalani. Yeah, seven Power Fives in Boise State. This will be a great simulation of if BYU was in a Power Five league, kind of what that would feel like. So, Bill, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, always good to catch up. Hey, I will see you guys September the 11th, if not beforehand. Okay, Sounds awesome. good. Kudos, Bill. Kudos, kudos, yep. Thank you. <laughs> for for whatever reason, instead, uh, of kudos. instead of kudos, we always said it as kudos, kudos to the point now where I think that's actually how you say it. Even though I know it's kudos, <laughs> you know it's we right. said it so many times on air yeah. during that five-year span that it's now kudos. For those who don't know, when Bill came from Jacksonville. Yes, and then he was actually he's a, he's a Kansas he's originally from Kansas City. Yep. He went to Kansas, and then yes, got a job in Jacksonville. And then he actually took over Gregor Bell's Sports Night show on KSL Radio. And was the, and was the sideline, sideline reporter, reporter for yep, for BYU. Did a little backup play by mm-hmm. play. Yep. There you go. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You just missed it. Fred Warner has inked a five-year, $95 million deal with the San Francisco 49ers to make him the highest-paid linebacker in the National Football League. $40.5 million of that $95 million contract, guaranteed money. It's a lot of dough, man. Congrats to Fred. That's yes. awesome. Well Fun fact, payday. he didn't play inside linebacker here. 
You played outside linebacker. <laughs> like, like what a what a great um, job by everyone involved with Fred and Fred, of course, to get to that point. That's so awesome. happy for. Do you Fred. think Troy's like? Can I get a loan? <laughs> Listen, Fred could be like, "Hey, uh, I'm just going to send the best of the best trainers down to L.A. Get you right and get you uh, up to NFL with speed. Let's Los, go, Los Rams. Let's go. Let's yes. Go. <laughs> okay. With that in mind, big money. It's time now to preview the big money coaches that BYU will compete against in 2021. The latest 10 and 10 top 10 head coaches, according to Jerem Jordan. Here we go. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. The two out, Robert, uh, Rob Fennessy, Idaho State, Chad Lunsford, Georgia Southern. Okay. Number 10, Nick Rolovich, Washington State. This guy uh, put up a still record amount of points, 72 as quarterback for Hawaii in 2001 to spoil the 12-0 season for BYU after Luke Staley broke his leg the week before Ugh. at Mississippi State. And this guy's Hawaii team beat the Cougars in 2019 Hawaii Bowl. Not a massive fan because those two things, just negative memory. He signed Baylor Romney to Nevada, by the way, as the OC before Baylor transferred to BYU. Took over for Mike Leach. They went 1-3 last year, 29-30 and 30 overall as head coach. His best days are probably ahead of him, but we'll see. How yeah, quick. yeah, I feel like the negative memories uh, have appropriately <laughs> placed Nick Rolovich yep. at number 10 in this list. Yep. <laughs> number 9. He's probably a better coach than that, but yep. just too many negative exactly. memories. Number 9, Blake Anderson, Utah State. Not to be confused with the workaholics actor. Anderson, who also has no relation to Gary, is the new head ball coach in Logan after a strong run at Arkansas State, going 51-37, and 37, including two Sun Belt titles. Played at Baylor and Sam Houston State, former North Carolina offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I now that I'm looking at Blake and Nick Rolovich, Nick's probably be higher than Blake, but <laughs> <laughs> number eight, Andy Avalos, Boise State, former Bronco linebacker, back after playing and coaching at Boise State, eleven years total before being the defensive coordinator for two years at Oregon, including the twenty twenty uh Pac twelve championship over one Utah. In twenty nine or twenty nineteen over Utah rather. Uh we'll see if he can keep it going from Chris Peterson. Uh, Brian Harson's era of success. They they had a ton of success with those two previous coaches. We'll see if it's Avalos as well. It's tough to be a first-year head coach with a program that carries such high expectations. And when it comes to BYU, they got to play in Provo this year. It's a tough hill for, for Andy Avalos to climb. Number seven, Jed Fish, Arizona. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. Nice guy, first mm-hmm. year in Tucson, coming in from the Patriots as quarterback coach last year. That didn't go well with Cam Newton, by the way. He's been an assistant coach in the NFL for seven teams. This mm. is for college teams including Minnesota, Miami, Michigan, and UCLA. Great resume. His LinkedIn's probably loaded. He's learned from Belichick, McVay, Carroll, and Shanahan. Not bad. How will he do in his first head coaching gig? We'll see firsthand in the opener. Yeah, number seven coach, that's an accurate number. His team, not as good on that list. Number six, Jeff Scott, South Florida. Scott was the co-offensive coordinator at his alma mater, Clemson, from 2015 to 19, where he won two national titles. Thank you, Trevor Lawrence and company. His dad coached South Carolina a long time ago and assisted at Clemson. Family Craft, second-year man in Tampa, 1-8 last year. Find a quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, and maybe the Bulls won't stick anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a mess. I, I think Jeff Scott is very capable. That program needs about four more years of yeah. Jeff Scott to be back in the relevance conversation. Number five, Clay Helton, USC. Took over for former Cougar quarterback Steve Sarkeesian during the 2015 season. Finished third at the end of the 2016 season after winning the Rose Bowl. He's also gone to the Cotton Bowl, produced number three pick. 39-21, one Pac-12 title, 24 NFL draft picks in six years, 0-1-1 versus BYU. But underwhelming overall yep. at SC, given how high the standards are. Can't believe he still has his job, if I'm being frank with, yeah, you know, on, on where USC is. Yep. 
But number five, that, that's that's probably that's probably right. Yeah, and he's he's the guy at USC. Number four, Dave Aranda Baylor. Aranda might be a familiar name to fans after being a DC at Southern Utah in 2008 with Ed Lamb. Hawaii after that, then Utah State in 2012, and Wisconsin LSU. He's played against BYU a bunch of times. BYU's played uh, you know a bunch since 2011. After LSU won the national championship. Um, he was the defensive coordinator on that team in 2019. Went two and seven last year in Waco. But let's see if Baylor turns it on to be a contender with Jeff Grimes as OC and Eric Mateos on the O line. I'm liking all of these newish head coaches that BYU has on the schedule. Advantage BYU in that regard. Number three, Herm Edwards, Arizona State, made famous for his "You play to win the game" quote as the head coach of the Jets. Hello. In his fourth season in Tempe, 17-13 and 13 overall, 2-2 two and two last year. Sun Devils at least relevant now. Are they? Played for Cal on this show they are today. <laughs> Played for Cal and San Diego State. In fact, in 1976, against BYU and Gifford Nielsen, he had 10 tackles in a Cougars 8-0 win. Wow. I like Herm Edwards a lot, for the record. I think he's fantastic. Number two, Bronco Mendenhall, Virginia. We all know him. He's a fantastic coach. 11 years as the head man in Provo. From 2006 to 2009, BYU finished in the top 25 and won 43 games. That's the most wins in a four-year span ever in Provo. Makes $3.4 million a year, by the Woo! way. 129 and 75 overall. Took a 2-10 team in his first year in 2016 to the Orange Bowl in 2019. Thank Clemson for deoccupying that spot, by the way, and going to the playoffs. He's a defensive genius who still employs nine former Cougar players or coaches on his staff. Yeah, that 30-32 and 32 record is still being heavily impacted by the 2-10 and 10 start. Yes, and I'm talking, yes, he's a great coach. It may not have shown yet at Virginia, but I'm including his BYU. Yeah, and if you exclude that, he's 28-22 and 22 in the Orange Bowl that there you, you, you referenced. That's why, that man right there is why I think BYU and Virginia is maybe a scarier game than BYU-Arizona State. Sure. And the top coach BYU will face for the, I think, third year in a row, Kyle Whittingham, Utah. Former Coug, linebacker, of course, all-whack player. 134-66 and 66 overall, 46 NFL draft picks. An incredible 11-3 record in bowl games. He's also 11-3 against BYU. I hate that number, but it's true. Just ridiculous numbers. Uh, but got a game got his respect game. He's fantastic. And oh, by the way, makes $4.1 million. Uh, you know, those are ta- that's taxable income that we're helping pay for. <laughs> an employee of the state. He's an employee, the highest paid employee of the state. We're paying him to beat BYU nine times in a row. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrook spoke with Irish Sports Daily. I know you subscribe, you love it. About the talk of a game with BYU in Vegas next season. Jason just read the full quote, but this part sticks out to me. We had two games here. One game that they, BYU, get to decide where it's played. And we're going to honor that. Wait, what? One game where they, BYU, get to decide where it's played and we're going to honor that? Jason, does that mean BYU could play this in Provo at some point? Would you rather wait for that at some point game in Provo or play Notre Dame in Vegas next year? Okay, let's obviously talk about the initial report that we've heard over the last month or so that these two teams are at least discussing reportedly. That BYU reached out. Yes. From Vanquish the Folk. Yes, and that they're discussing the possibility of playing this game in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium in 2022. That sounds great. And then until you hear this, that it's BYU's choice. Um, would I rather have it played next year in Vegas or have it in Provo at some point? I'd rather have it in Provo at some point. 
Now, what if that some point is in the 2030s, though? Are you I, okay with that? I, I, I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm, I have no problem with it. There's a part of me that wants Notre Dame. It was a two for one. The, two there and one in Provo. I want the game in Provo. Plus, I want, I want that experience for Cougar fans to have a team like Notre Dame in their home stadium. Yeah. That is an unbelievable experience. That's, that, is, that is one of those college football teams that you're going to remember when Notre Dame came to Provo. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think having the ability to have this game in Provo is a big, big deal. And it's still something, even though we, and I say we in terms of BYU Sports Nation, have been waiting for that return trip for a really long time. I'm willing to wait even longer if it means that the Irish come to Provo. Now, what we don't know is if the reports are true and that this, is, this game is leaning towards Vegas – I, we don't know necessarily the reasons why Vegas over Provo. Is there a financial uh, you know, situation where BYU is getting more money to play it? Maybe ESPN says we'll Maybe. give you a middle so, inch so, or whatever. You know, there, there may be parts of why it's being looked at more in Vegas than in Provo. There may be a financial um, addition to it that makes it more you know, reasonable for BYU to say, yeah, we'll give up a home game and go to Vegas. We don't know any of those things. For me personally, I would rather have the game in Provo to be able to say we have Notre Dame at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Depends how long you want to wait. Um, Let's not bury the lead on this either. Notre Dame confirmed they're actually going to play the game. This is the first time we have heard since they cinched the deal in waiting, waiting, waiting. Every year we're talking Notre Dame game. Is that going to happen? They're going to play the game. We haven't known this until yesterday, which is great. You, you uh, discovered this, and it was like, whoa. Um, so that's big news. I think if it's in Provo, this is the biggest game of independence at home. I'm, I, I'm who's, thinking to say, of, who's to say BYU was, will be independent when they play it? Well, that's true. Wisconsin uh, at home in 2017, that team for BYU was bad. That was tough. Texas uh, in 2013 was a great game. USC and Washington in 2019. Those were great opponents, matchups, buildups, you know, situations. In the case of uh, USC at home, that was a win that was great, right? BYU has had to play its biggest games in independence, mostly on the road or neutral. Yep. So I see the argument for I'm willing to wait. It just depends how long you want to wait. The idea of this game next year is pretty intriguing. Like, oh, we could play this game next year. Vegas, that's, you know, the best location closest to Both teams have an opening. Right. So... I, I just wonder if they are going to play it at Provo, if it would be in the 2030s. The last game they played of the two, 2012 and 13, right? It's already been eight years. Next year would be nine years between games. Let's say they can't actually make it work until 2028. Are you willing to wait 15 years between games? You know, and from here, right, seven-plus years or whatever. Just depends how long you want to wait. Uh, I, I'm fine with the game in Vegas. I really am. I think that'd be a spectacle. I think it'd be awesome. I think Notre Dame in Vegas is a huge draw nationally. You throw BYU in there, great. Awesome. Um, but yes, playing at home would be sweet. It just depends how long you want to wait. I'm not sure BYU's situation down the road is going to be such that uh, this game would be as meaningful. Right now, this is a would be a huge game in Provo. Let's say BYU actually does get an invite to, say, a Power 5 conference. This game, Win. this game might actually be uh, a deterrent to BYU's pursuit of, say, a bowl game in that situation where you're already so playing. So you finally a tough get schedule. Notre Dame on the schedule, and it's the game that messes things up when you're in a P5 conference. You're like, dang it! Like this is too hard. Like, look at what Utah's done in its non-conference schedule. They've cooled it quite a bit because they know, hey, we're going to play. 
you know, eight tough, eight, nine tough games here in the Pac-12. We can't be going crazy. They don't play a Power 5 team in non-conference this year, right? They're going to play Florida the next two years. But they get it. Like, if you really want to make the playoff for a New Year's Six, you can't be loading up in the non-conference. Go look at Alabama's non-conference schedule. They'll play, like, one big game, and then they'll play a bunch of winnable games because the league slate is tough. Who knows what BYU's schedule looks like in whenever they can play the game in Provo. I, so that's the only thing yeah. that's interesting. But whenever Notre Dame comes to town, it would be a massive, awesome thing, no doubt. I certainly understand. Look, and I'm not going to complain if they end up playing in Vegas next year. To be able to play Notre Dame wherever you get to play, that's an unbelievable game. And the fact that, look, and you know, we joke about how Allegiant Stadium or, or anywhere in Vegas is, is a home game for BYU – Oh, that's that, no joke. That, that's, that's not going to be the case with Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame would dominate that. Yes. That, 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 that's, Let's so, not act like it'd be Yeah, no, Notre Dame would take over that place. Now, not to say there wouldn't be a ton of BYU fans, because there would be. There would be a lot. But, but to, to think that Notre Dame's not going to travel and BYU's going to have a home game there or a home game-type atmosphere, yeah. that's not going to happen. You, you're not paying attention to what happens to Notre Dame when they go on the road. So I, I completely understand, though, if, if – BYU says what's best for us is to get this game when we can get it the soon, as soon as we can get it, and that means in Vegas. Who knows? Maybe BYU is in a situation where, like, hey, we know we have the option to play this game in Provo. If we're willing to do a neutral site game in Vegas, what's the chances of us being able to maybe extend to more games between the two of us? I love that idea. So I- maybe that's part of why you go to Vegas. Say, we'll give up a little bit here if you're willing to schedule us for another either two-for-one or maybe another one-and-one, one, something along those lines. you really trust Notre Dame at this point to uh, do this in a timely manner, though, given what's happened? Put a, like, time, put a time constraint on it. Most of these contracts, I would assume, have that on there already. We've waited eight years for the TBD return game, right? And Look, if it's not played we wait eight year, years be, for a lot of very important things. Like what? Like a win against Utah? I'm in in the general sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I can't um, bring it up. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you know, just ruined the joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, BYU would be baptized, I guess, against Notre <laughs> Dame or something. Um, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your opinion of this? Because I would love to see this. We all want to see the Notre Dame game. It's just how long are you willing to wait for this, right? Do you want it next year in Vegas? Like, all right, we, we know that you know is, is being discussed, could happen. Do you want to wait for this? In the future uh, with Notre Dame, which Notre Dame has openings uh, of road games. They like to play seven home games. When you're a real power team, you pay seven home games. Okay, <laughs> Virginia played eight home games a couple years ago. That's fun. Uh, but Notre Dame has openings the next several years. There's just not a ton of them. you got to start to get in one of those years. So we'll see. We're looking at future Notre Dame schedules, and they've got, they've got spots. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Okay, our opponent previews continue throughout the summer, pre-fall camp. Try and get as many of these in and maybe into fall camp. Uh, we've talked about a couple of teams so far. We talked about Arizona Wildcats today, which BYU plays in how many days again? Countdown to the Wildcats. 47. Oh, we... I was going to do it differently. What do you want to do? I was going to say, 47 days. Oh, a little syncopation. Hit it! 
Which one are we gonna do? Forty-seven days. Okay, as long as we're in. Sync, what? Right? What did you say? Four. Forty. Forty-seven. Yeah, mine was way better. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're playing it again. Okay, cool. All right, uh, BYU in Arizona, in Las Vegas. Obviously, we know Arizona is the first game. It's a team we've talked about a lot. But how do you expect this game to play out? Um, I expect BYU. Oh, you shot on July. 9th. I was going to say I expect BYU to win handily. Back to you, Jerem. No, <laughs> that, that, <I> agree. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I agree. The BYU should win this game handily. What does they're, that mean? They're, 13, 17 plus. At, at least, I mean, they're favored. What the line right now is like eleven? Yeah, eleven or, or twelve is is what I remembered it being. I think that's at least ten. At least yeah, ten. Two scores. But I, I think BYU could very easily have one of those games where they come out of the gate fast in the first quarter, jump out to a major lead. Like, honestly, BYU could come out and score 21 points in the first quarter and just completely put Arizona away. Now, I realize Arizona's defense, they've got, they've got a guy that's called his, – his nickname is Dr. Blitz. They're, they're the, a, defensive coordinator. the defensive coordinator, Tom Brown. Brown. Yeah. Yep. So he, he is a guy that loves to put pressure on the opposition. So that's certainly something BYU is going to have to be prepared for. But you're going up against a team that has a brand new head coach. They're still trying to implement their system. Anytime you're going against a team like that, for a team, even though you're bringing in a new quarterback and, and you have you know, lost some weapons, we know all the things that BYU lost from last year's team. Even with that said, BYU comes in with much more proven ability on both sides of the football. I, I, I just think going against a team that is, is in disarray right now, they're trying to right the ship. It's not a team that's expected to do much in terms of overall wins the entire season. Th- this, is a, this is a game BYU should win handily. I agree. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. I'll outline more on, on that point in a second. But in terms of scoring a bunch of points in the opener, it's pretty rare for BYU just to blow out a team in the opener with a ton of points. Um, last year's the exception. Uh, Navy, 55-3. That was incredible. The year before that, a very good Utah team that's ranked as high as five that year. BYU scores 12. At Arizona, 28-23. Um, Portland State, 20-6. That's 2017 abomination. Arizona, 18-16. First, time, first game for Ty Demers, the OC. Blah, blah, blah. At Nebraska, you have to throw to Hail Mary to get into the 30s. Connecticut stinks, 35 points. So, I'm yeah. I'm hoping BYU gets into the 30s. I think high I for a th- total score. I think high 20s will do it. I don't think Arizona's offense. Oh, I, I agree. Well, that will do run. it absolutely. Arizona has a new head coach, as you mentioned, in Jed Fish, a brand new OCDC, um, a almost ACDC. That was close. Uh, a quarterback battle themselves. Right. They have a running back in Michael Wiley who averaged 7.2 yards carry in the five games played last year. Oh, by the way, Arizona 0-5. But, yes, this is a warm-up game for Arizona not to win, but just to, like, have a game with the staff. Obviously, they want to win the game. is much more talented, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not threatened by Arizona hardly at all. Right. They are trying to rebuild that program. And, honestly, Arizona's had a year or two where they've been good here and there, but Six straight years without an eight-plus wins. They've not been good recently, right? Um, it's in Vegas. BYU's going to have a ton of fans there. There's a ton of juice coming off of what happened last year for BYU. I don't see in any way, shape, or form Arizona pulling off the upset. Well, that's when upsets happen, when people say so. Yeah, you cannot take at, them lightly. At you... cold takes. Yes. Uh, freezing cold takes on that one. But BYU is the better team. And that's, that's, that is, nobody is going to disagree with that argument, that BYU is the better team. 
And so that, that's what I look at a matchup like this, and we always hear coaches and players say, it's more about us and what we do than worrying about the opposition. I can't think of a better example of a game like that than this. If BYU right. does what it can do, good luck, Arizona. And there are some things in BYU's corner. You have the – like, yes, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos are gone. Jeff Grimes was the offensive coordinator, um, but Aaron Roderick was the play caller. You keep that guy. Maybe he even impresses upon the offense even more of his influence because of this. Festi's Sataki is elevated in this. Obviously, it's it's uh, you know new offensive line situation for BYU with a coach and three new starters. But BYU feels good about both. Um, but this, there's just too many skill position players for BYU not to feel like it's going to score in the high twenties, low thirties in this game. And that will be plenty against an Arizona team that doesn't know who the quarterback is, has a brand new OC. Jed Fish is. Perhaps he's calling the plays. We'll see if it's uh, you know uh, Brennan Carroll, the son of Pete Carroll, uh, from coming from the Seahawks. So I I just feel like in that place against that team with that group, I feel like BYU is going to handle its business well, and it's going to be a one and O versus a one and O matchup in Week Two against Utah. The way I look at this season, and and typically I certainly don't want to say it has no bearing, but let's do it. But sometimes I, I want to downplay the momentum from one season to the next because there's such same, yep, because there, there's so much time in between. No team is always the same. There, there's, there are enough differences that while, yes, I understand that you, you, can, you can have momentum from one to the next, sometimes I downplay that. I'm not doing that as much this year because I really do think BYU's season last year, I think could really, from a, from a, a motivational standpoint and a, a, and a confidence yes. standpoint, yes. I really think it pays dividends this year with this group. I really do. I do. I think their ROI, the return on investment, was extremely high for BYU playing the schedule it played. Hey, we can do this. Yes. Like, yes, there were no power fives on it, but BYU played so If the schedule stunk so bad, why did BYU have the second pick and 12 guys in the NFL? BYU showed out even against the bad competition. At the end of the day, you just need to perform against who's in front of you. The football team does not decide who it plays. Last year, a pandemic decided who BYU played. And Tom Homo lined that up. Now Tom Homo decides who BYU plays in its best interest, in his opinion, right? So now there's Arizona. But this is a team BYU's beaten a bunch. Like 2018 in Tucson, season opener, a win. 2016 in Phoenix, Last second field goal by Jake Goldroyd. That was, honestly, BYU didn't even play very well and still won. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We need to take a timeout from football just for a moment to, so that Jason can gather himself. I, don't, okay? I can't wait to talk some BYU yeah. basketball. I love Cougar hoops. Let's keep the energy high. We welcome in the head basketball coach of BYU, Mark Pope, to BYU Sports Nation. Coach, uh, does conference realignment interest you at all? Or are you so focused on basketball right now that you, you don't have time to think about football and all that stuff? No, no. I, I lo- Listen, first of all, how much do you guys love conference realignment? <laughs> Think about how many hours you spent over the last eight years talking conference realignment on Sports Nation. It's it's like 
It's the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. That's right. We open up the boxes and nothing's there, though. That's the problem. We need to find a present. It's almost going to be sad when it happens because then there's nothing to talk about it anymore. That is true. Like, like a large portion of our topics would go away once we actually get in. <laughs> it's a great point brought up by Coach Pope. Hey, also, uh, your professional alma mater, one of them, the Milwaukee Bucks, an incredible run, small market, NBA Finals. Elijah Bryan gets a ring. Sam Merrill, Utah State. How cool is all that? Who's going to win it? The Bucks. The Bucks. You guys don't know that because that's from like 20 years ago. But, man, how great is this? So, not only, listen, think about this. Not only Sam Merrill and, of course, the great BYU alum, Elijah Bryant, who's who's putting together just an epic career for himself. But also, I mean, we got a lot of connections there. Uh, you know, Craig Manning does some work for the Bucks. Uh, BYU, uh, great. Uh, Mike Davey uh, is the head strength coach there, and he's a member of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is doing an unbelievable job, um, uh, you know, training the guys over there. There's a lot of connections with the Bucks. Uh, and BYU. So it was a great, great day for sure. Coach, did you and and Coach Feger and TJ on Lucas, did you take it easy on Alex Barcelo, who we know is from the Phoenix area and a Suns fan? No, first of all, <laughs> like we're all decked out in in fan paraphernalia, in fan gear. And Alex, you know, a devout apparently fan of the Suns <laughs> brought nothing to the table, nothing. <laughs> and then he, was, uh, he had a bunch of, uh, you know, he was a little torn up. I'm not going to lie. He was a little torn up yesterday showing up to work us. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it happens. You know, it's, it's part of being a fan for sure. Uh, I can tell you this much. BYU fans collectively are understandably excited about Alex Barcelo deciding to come back and the addition of T John Lucas. And it, while we can't mention certain other names that haven't been officially announced by the university, the roster continues to change. Coach, how would you assess your overall team right now going into year three as the man in charge of BYU basketball? Uh, guys, I am so excited because finally, you know, this this uh, Caleb Lohner has just owned – sorry, guys. All good. Has, has just owned – the landscape of best dressed on the team, the most swag, the most style, like he's put everyone else to shame, but enter into the equation. T John Lucas. Okay. So this T John Lucas, we had a team event, a team golfing event uh, a couple weeks ago. This dude came in like some cross between tiger woods and Jack <laughs> on the golf course. He rolled in. In fact, he inspired the jersey breakout the other day because he rolled in like head to toe swagged out Bucks yes, gear. Yes. So you talk about things I'm excited about this season. Caleb Loner, watch your back. You. <laughs> I love it. Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. 
Uh, okay, let's let's talk about the roster as much as we can. Chris Burgess, one of your fabulous assistant coaches, joined us a few weeks back and said, "Look, we're trying to be a top twenty-five team year in and year out. We make no bones about you know scouring the transfer portal. BYU has found great success again, uh, led by you and your coaching staff in getting some key players. He's like, we we want to be a top twenty-five team. Heck, we want to be a top ten team. Coach, right now as the roster is currently constituted, do you feel like you have a top twenty-five squad?" Um, I, who knows? I mean, come on, guys, we're in July, right? So uh, I do think we have a bunch of guys, some pieces that fit together in a really interesting way. Uh, I, I think that this group is growing into a group that is willing to um, to fight for each other and commit to each other. And I do know that, uh, you know, Tom has told me that the first year we finished not in the top 25, my, my uh, career here will be over. <laughs> I don't know if we better do it, boys, or this could be my last Sports Nation appearance. (laughs) Well, you do get to go to Hawaii. You get to go to the Diamond Head Classic, and that's always fun. And not only that, but you guys right now are looked at as maybe the team to beat uh, in that uh, that Diamond Head Classic. What are your thoughts on going over there? You you get to play in some really cool uh, tournaments throughout the year. This is certainly one I know you guys are looking forward to. Yeah, we, lo- we love this MTE. It's, it's really exciting. You know, we get to go Maui over Thanksgiving. And listen, Maui is, is the, is the it's, it's, you know, it's, it's such an incredible experience. And then, and then we get to follow up a couple years later with Diamond Head over Christmas. Um, and so we're really excited that the field is incredibly competitive. Um, it's not, it's not the, the, the biggest names in all of basketball, but it's all these, you know, it's, you take a team like Liberty, right. Who is just, um, just been unbelievable the last three years in terms of winning and losing and, and taking on every single opponent. Uh, and, and they might not be a, a, a national name, but in, in the world of basketball, we know that they're, a, you know, a top 50 team. That's, that's going to be a problem. Right. And the field is full of teams like that. Uh, so we're incredibly excited. It comes with all kinds of challenges. Uh, we get to start with South Florida, which is, uh, which is interesting. Um, I'm going to test your guys' trivia. Can you tell me why South Florida is an interesting opponent for us BYU Cougars and me personally? Why South Florida? Uh, You personally? Yeah, you personally. You guys aren't supposed to be the trivia masters. (laughs) Bring it. (laughs) Jason? No, for him, that was the curveball. I thought maybe he was just saying because football plays South Florida this year, and it was a nice tie-in that both teams get to face the same team. But when he threw in, when he threw in coach, the personal part of it, I, I'm, I don't. Okay, were you recruited by South Florida? Did you commit to them or something out of high school? I can't wait to see Coach Sataki and the BYU Cougar football team okay. roll out and trounce South Florida. I'm so excited about that. But this is only issue to me. So I was literally – we, my team at Utah Valley, we went and we lost to, to South Florida in the CBI. Mm. I jumped on a plane early in the morning, and that was the day that coach to, to, to return. I was actually going to another deal, and, and that was the day that coach retired. So that was my last experience with South Florida. It was an L. We got to fix that this time. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, vengeance tour for football and for you in a strange way for basketball. I like this. The BYU Vengeance Tour against the USF Bulls. Okay. Uh, 
We want to know who BYU is going to play, obviously, and see the full conference slate and the schedule and non-conference. When do you anticipate that that will be officially announced? I'm going to wait until there's just a until we just can't wait any longer. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> speculate on the potential uh, schedule until you've talked it to death, and then we'll break it out. We're okay. actually super excited about the schedule. It's way too hard. Uh, it's terrifying. Um, but we got we got great we got great teams on on the schedule. The non conference schedule is going to be really really good. We're we're hopefully going to be able to finish it up in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. I say that that might be super optimistic, but that's that's the hope. Okay. Okay. One more bonus question: Which returning player are we not talking about right now, but we will be talking about by the end of this basketball season? No, man. That's a great question. So listen, I got a bunch of guys. So. Um, you know, I, I think Trevin Nell comes up because he was the number one three-point shooter in the West Coast Conference. Uh, so he's going to be in the mix. I think Richard Harward comes up. He's going to step into a new, um, incredibly important role for him this year. And he's, 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 he's racing towards uh, being prepared to do that. Um, I think uh, a name that could come up is Hunter Erickson. I don't know if you guys are talking about him, but he's putting together a great summer and he's a terrific young player. Uh, I think he has a, a chance to be really special. I think all the other guys you guys are talking about a lot. So, um, but but uh, we got a bunch of guys that that are that are competing really hard to to try and see if we can take the next step in in our evolution basketball program. Maybe it's Gavin Baxter too. He's uh, an intriguing character there. Is anybody not talking about Gavin Baxter? I mean, come on, <laughs> this guy. He's got all the you know. He's worked so hard this summer. You're not even going to recognize his body. My gosh. Okay. Uh, he looks unbelievable, and he's he's you know he's still uh, working really really hard at getting to fully to a full go. Um, we're hoping to take some strides in the next three weeks with actually getting him on the court in some uh, some really limited uh, full speed full contact limited range stuff. Um, and hopefully, you know, when we roll in here September first, he's going to be full go. Awesome. Coach, so great to catch up with you. We appreciate the good times, the laughs, the insight, and uh, can't wait for an exciting basketball season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. You got Thanks, it. Coach. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> he never disappoints, Jason. He is always Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Conference realignment chaos episode 2021. Let's do this. BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo looked into his crystal ball a few weeks ago during our BYU Football A Decade of Independence review show and spoke about the ongoing speculation of Power 5 conference expansion, realignment, and how... BYU may fit into that. Jason, did Tom know something was mm. brewing in the SEC? Listen to what he said. But I, I do think that you perhaps could see a P5 conference add some teams, or they could change conferences like they have in the past. I, I just think that some of those P5s are so strong that they won't need to shake up it would be more an adjustment. And those will be predicated on their TV conference, their broadcast agreements. Wow. Okay, that was July 2nd. 
20 days ago, Tom Holmo speaking to us about Power 5 conference expansion, realignment, and again, how BYU may take advantage of this. Yesterday, if you missed it in headlines, the Houston Chronicle reporting that Big Dogs Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 have expressed serious interest in leaving the Big 12 and joining the Southeastern Conference, making it a 16-team super conference, joining Alabama and LSU and all the other big dogs in the SEC. Okay, Jason, so think about that for a moment. Texas and Oklahoma reportedly want to leave the Big 12, move to the SEC. If that is indeed the case, and there is some validity to this, what in the world does that mean for BYU? <laughs> I think we know what we want it to mean for BYU, that possibly there's an opportunity to go to the Big 12. I mean, that is the first thing I thought of. That will surprise absolutely nobody. But that's the first thing I thought of. Certainly, the entire college football world is focused on the aspect of Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. That's, that's the story. We here at BYU... I'm sure it's the same in Cincinnati, at in the Houston area, Memphis, at Memphis, UCF. There, they know how big of the story is, but they're also now also like we are looking at. Okay, well now, what does the Big Twelve do? Is this finally the chance for BYU to get into a P5 conference? That's what we don't know because nobody – and look, and I could not get enough of this story yesterday, whether it was reading every article I could find, listening to every podcast that I could find yesterday. Nobody is talking about the part of the story about what the Big 12 does next. It's all about where Texas and Oklahoma are going. So right now there really isn't anything concrete – as to what the Big 12 would even want to do. By all accounts, they were blindsided by this news yesterday. And which is kind of crazy when you think about it with all of the leaks that can come out. And obviously this was leaked eventually. But the fact that you can get something this major past all of those athletic directors and universities for quite a long time is remarkable in this day and age. Mm. So I, I hope what it means is that BYU... It now has an opportunity to go to a P5. That's what I hope it means. Isn't it interesting that all of this gets leaked during SEC media days? Oh, what timing, Jason Shepard. The SEC is meeting, which means reporters have access to Greg Sankey, who is the commissioner of the SEC, who, by the way, said, I have no comment on the news from the Houston Chronicle that is speculating about Texas and Oklahoma. That's not a no. It's not a no. <laughs> it's not a no. And typically when it is a no, they'll nip it in the bud. Yep. They'll say, no, there's, there's no truth to that. Like, it's, it's a non-starter. Nope, we're, we're not going there. He did not say that. He said, I have no comment. Neither on, did Texas and Oklahoma, by the way. On the speculation from unnamed sources. Okay, so I love reading into this. I think this is... This is perfect fodder for July 22nd and for July 21st yesterday, too, for that matter. I just wonder, Jason, my first thought was, okay, is this Lucy holding the football out for Charlie Brown again when it comes to BYU, hoping that this is the window to get into the Power Five, and then she pulls it away, and it's just dog and pony show, and BYU fans are flipped upside down and disappointed again? That, that was my first thought. Okay, is there any validity to this? I watched how it kind of spread like wildfire on social media, and I was like, okay, 
When you involve the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma, yes, you're going to catch the attention of the college football world. In fact, the SEC Network, which is part of the ESPN family, is suggesting that if there are 16 teams in Texas and Oklahoma do join the SEC, they go to four-team pods. They're and, already speculating yes, on how it's going to work. Uh, Jason, I literally – you saw I was in the office with you yesterday. I literally was putting in together uh, SEC – or sorry, Big 12 West and Big 12 East divisions featuring BYU and Houston. And I appreciated all of your hard work yesterday. Okay. It made me feel I, much better. But again, is it fool's gold? Is this Lucy dangling the football in front of Charlie Brown? Poor BYU fans saying, I'm not going to move it. I promise this time. Just come kick the football. And then she yanks it away, and BYU again is disappointed and upset. I, I am leaning towards that until we know more concrete information. The Houston Chronicle also said that a decision is expected to be made on whether or not Texas and Oklahoma have like a legitimate chance of moving conferences into the SEC in the next few weeks. Right. Well, now, so let's get some of the, the specifics out there. For, I believe that it's 75% has to be approved. Other members of the SEC, they have to have 75% approval. Yes. To be able to get in. It does not appear that there's going to be an issue getting that. Texas A&M obviously yeah. is, is going to fight it. Well, they said yesterday, yes. we, we like being the only team from Texas in the SEC. Missouri is probably going to say they don't want it either. But by all accounts, they're going to be able to have the number of votes they need. 11 of 14. If it gets to that point, it doesn't appear that that's going to be an issue. It sounds like the, the chain... That would have like you. You'd have to follow this sort of chain of command here. It sounds like the the first domino would be for Texas and Oklahoma yeah. to say that they will not renew their broadcast rights at the end of the the contract. That would be the first thing. Then it's to declare their intentions to to seek membership in the SEC. It's kind of like a, a way you've got to do this based off of what I read. Here's the other thing that we don't know in terms of how BYU could fit into this. So if you're the Big 12, right now you're the Big 12 with 10 teams, okay? You, you, do you add two to stay at 10? You're staring at potentially yes. eight, and you're losing the two most profitable yes. and biggest yes. names in your conference. So do you add two to get back to 10? Do you add four to go to 12, which makes the most sense, you would think? Or does that conference dissolve, yes. Jason? And if you get these teams in, do they even keep P5 status? We don't know the answer to any of that stuff. Does the AAC step in and take sort of take the best of what's left of the Big 12? And then no lo- is the Big 12 no longer what you're looking at? And then it's like, we need to get into the AAC. What role will the Pac-12 play in this? I heard an interview this morning with Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman, who we've had on this show many, many times. He said he believes the number one option, there's if, if, two options. He thinks number one the most likely is that the Pac-12 comes and takes the teams that they want to add to their league. Sure. He thinks that uh, the plan B, option two, is that they go and find teams to replace the, the teams leaving. So that, what role does the Pac-12 play in all of this? Holy cow. Yes, this is – we've been saying this for a number of years – that as we approach the year 2023 and 2024, when all of these television rights agreements are up, that as we get closer to this date, then we might see some movement. And I, I, Tom Homo is right. I, I was in agreement with him where it's just like an agreement with him, I should say, that if teams moved conferences, then that would be the domino that started all of this. We moved to a mega conference, the first 16 team power conference that would move all of the dominoes. So, 
Does the Big 12 go away if they lose Texas and Oklahoma? Is is that conference no more? And there are still 64 Power 5 teams, but we move to four 16-team power conferences and is BYU and a team like Notre Dame, are, are they again still in just this independent realm? There, There's so much going on here. By the way, Oklahoma, the legislature there, okay, government, has uh, a rule or – if you want to call it that, a law in place that Oklahoma can't go anywhere without Oklahoma State? What's that about? Well, the, I, I have read updated information on that that they – and I cannot remember which national college football writer it was. It, it may have been Pete Thamel who says that he has he has spoken with – and I apologize if it's not Pete, if it's somebody else not giving him proper credit. He would mentioned that, that based off of what he's been able to uh, – information he's been able to gather there's really not much okay. that that, that okay. the the state of Oklahoma can do to keep Oklahoma tied to Oklahoma oh there's really not goodness. much or T Boone Pickens and his Correct. billions of Correct. dollars for that matter okay so okay legislature even if that's uh, not an issue there there are just so many moving parts here and uh, how does BYU how does BYU position to take advantage of this one you, you keep winning games Okay, so BYU's in a great position because they were 11, they won 11 games last year. They were relevant, nationally ranked. And so the status of BYU football and the athletic department overall is really good right now. Yes. So the timing is good. Yes. The timing is good for BYU if the dominoes are indeed falling. But is the Big 12 the next Big East, Jason, where it's like the Big 12 is trying to stay alive and they say, hey, yeah, BYU, Boise State, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, come join us. And then they dissolve the next year, and they lose their Power Five accreditation. What is is this the Big East all over again? If Texas and Oklahoma leave, because you don't want to link yourself uh, to a ship that is sinking. Uh, and then there's the idea that maybe the Pac-12. There, you said, hey, they could poach some teams, right? Arizona and Arizona State, they are awfully close to Texas, Jason. Yeah. Okay. And I know that it's been a number of years or a few years in the past where they have expressed their displeasure with the Pac-12 and the late windows and the Pac-12 network not delivering on what it said it would and Larry Scott and that whole fiasco and circus in the Pac-12 that they were maybe thinking about jumping conferences. Would Arizona and Arizona State going to the Big 12 keep that conference afloat and then, again, keep BYU out of the window? I'm with you. Look, and I, I say this, but I'm still going to get my hopes up. <laughs> but I, I, I'm like you. There's been so much disappointment with this where you think maybe, okay, this is BYU's best chance, and then it doesn't happen. Or you think you're close, and then it doesn't happen. I, I'm with you. There's, there's such a long history of that happening that it's very, very difficult for anybody to feel confident that, oh, th- this, this, th- is it. It, this is it. This is it. Because there's been so many opportunities where you thought this was it and it didn't happen. But that's not going to keep me from thinking right now, this may be his best chance. Because of everything that's, that's – the dominoes that are falling right now – and I tweeted this out in jest. It was an opportunity basically just to tweet out a gif of this cougar like jumping into the river and kind of pouncing. <laughs> I, 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 I tweeted out, it's time to pounce. I think it's time to pounce. I really do. Okay. I want to play one more soundbite for everyone. Okay, Again, this is a very much a fluid, amoeba-esque conversation as it pertains to BYU and how the Cougars could potentially crack into Power 5 Conference. Tom Homo, again, on July 2nd, speaking with us, added the following. 
there's been discussions, there's things that happen behind the scenes that are very private and confidential, and those things never get out. I don't say discussions, but I would say we're always looking for what's best for our football program. And it would be, um, I would be remiss if I didn't look at every opportunity and take the calls that come in that have questions about where we are at what time and what we're looking for. So I think those conversations have occurred almost every year, if not every year, uh, very often in that 10 year period. And I would assume that they will continue until we continue to make independence better and better and better or find another league. So it's not like the conversations haven't been happening now it just takes on an interesting angle. Right. And there may just be something more there for BYU too, as you said, pounce on. The point is, Tom Homo is all over it. Yes. This is not a, No. BYU is not just sitting. He's been all over yes. it. He'll continue yes. to be all over this as it develops. Okay, let's talk about the matchup with Utah on September eleventh a little more. This is game two as our opponent previews continue. What's the key to ending the streak, in your opinion? Nine games, obviously, and then you go back to 09, so it's been you know 12 years coming up to 11, 2021. 20, so it's just been way too long, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I realize there's we mentioned this on the show yesterday. The one game where we were you know had six turnovers and we still lost the game. Or, 20, 26. Yeah, uh, six takeaways. Six takeaways. Excuse me. Um, we've probably had some six turnovers as well. We, we have to stop turning the ball over against Utah. That is their MO. They go into games. Speaking of Utah, they are so good at forcing turnovers. Yes. And it's not just the number of turnovers. It's when the turnovers happen. It's what kind of turnovers. It's turnovers that lead directly to points. That stuff has to get cleaned up for us to have a – a chance to to snap this streak. We're talking BYU Utah, so you're going hard pronoun we us them. Oh, you slipped into it. Slipped into it. <laughs> I'm always in it. I'm always in that. We try and avoid this generally, but it does come out. BYU is a team that from a talent. Hey, wait, wait, come on, man. No, I'm, I'm making a different point now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so, BYU, while they may not necessarily have. A, a roster full of four and five star guys, or getting a recruit, Neither you know, a, a transfer from Oklahoma. Not enough five star guys, but you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's there is this yeah. there is this this thought that the talent level is so far superior by recruiting rankings. Sure, yes, that- but I I I don't think that 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 is that is evening out. That is evening out, and I think one just of the biggest the just win the game. But I, I don't think, from a talent standpoint, BYU's there's not going to be this this significant talent gap when BYU faces Utah. There just isn't going to be, and that's going to continue, in my opinion, to get smaller. So it's all about going out and executing what you know you can do. We have not done that against Utah. Just we just haven't. And I don't even care one if there's a gap, and two how wide it is. Just win the game. There was a massive gap between BYU and USC in 2019. BYU won the game. Like, walk-on Dax Milne caught a one-handed pass over a four-star corner. Whatever. Just make a play in that moment, right? BYU at Tennessee. You think Tennessee doesn't have more talent than BYU? Tennessee has more talent than BYU. Okay? BYU won the game. Like, what BYU has is discipline, great coaching, but they, effort. Those things. They have not had that discipline against Utah with yes. the turnovers. Yes. So, the key to ending the streak comes down to turnovers. It really does. If BYU is 
even or plus, you just have a great chance to win. The one where BYU lost was plus three, went for two, didn't get it. Didn't help that Jamal Williams got hurt in that game. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. So in the last nine games in which BYU has lost, minus 15 turnover margin. <laughs> the only one, as we mentioned, the turnover battle was one, was 26 Okay, that's a massive issue, okay? Let's talk about more stuff with Utah that matters, like we talked about. Returning starters, anywhere from 17 to 19. Everyone in college football has a gajillion returning starters because not everyone left after last year. BYU's the exception. BYU had a great year, a bunch of guys left. Struck while the iron was hot. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah and Utah made, made, a, made a big deal about the fact that while they didn't have anybody going to the NFL, it's because everybody was coming back. Yes, like Devin Lloyd probably could have gone. He came back or whatever. Uh, the streak is a massive storyline. Uh, however, ESPN's FPI gives BYU a 52.5% chance to win, which we were a little surprised by when that came out. I like, I'll take it. I thought it'd, ju- I thought it'd be like uh, you know high 40s or something for BYU, so it's a few percentage points that way. We mentioned the uh, you know defecting player. Samson Nakua comes down to BYU. Devin Kafusi went up a year ago. They didn't play last year. They're not playing in 22 and 23. So this game's worth four. This game's worth four years worth. So when BYU wins, does that mean then that once the game is played eventually, BYU's riding a four, a, a four year, game winning streak? A four year win streak? I'm going to go four games. It was one game. <laughs> they didn't play four games. One year, uh, one game. Look, we can't ch- change the fact that they didn't want to play. <laughs> they didn't want to play the next two. It's true. Um, the quarterback battle is interesting. Neither team knows its guy, but kind of has a guy that's probably a little bit of a leader in the clubhouse. Charlie Brewer, the yeah. Baylor transfer we've talked about at length um, from Baylor. And then Cam Rising is the transfer from Texas, who actually started the season, got hurt in the first half of the first game for Utah last year. So we'll see who the starter is there. Of course, BYU has its own uh, matchup. Last time they met was 2019. It feels like an eternity. It really does. Since that game. And BYU decided it would uh, turn the ball over for like three direct touchdowns. <laughs> in that game. So, yeah. that Like, Zach Moss is in that game. He's like a two-year NFL vet now. It just, you know, Zach Wilson was in that game as a sophomore. You know, now Zach's uh, about to buy a really nice Tesla with that $23 million signing bonus or whatever. Like, it's very different, right, for both teams. September 11th is going to be fun. Because, obviously, both teams are going to – Utah's going to come in 1-0 having beat Weber State. No offense, Jay Hill and Weber State. You guys are great. Which, by the way, Weber State's going to host James Madison for the season opener. It's a massive FCS game. That's awesome. Okay, you, uh, for BYU, it's Arizona, of course. We all feel like BYU's going to win that game. 1-0, September 11th, special date in our, in our country's history, of course, in Utah. And, again, they don't play the next two years. Just massive implications. Home opener for BYU. Oh, what unis is BYU wearing? Are they going with, like, the Royal Matt helmet? Like, it's going to be an amazing evening. Well, and look, going back to the interview that we just had with, with Bill Riley and talking about something we always know is going to be a, a, a position of strength for Utah is the defensive line. And if he thinks that they're going to be even better – that they're quote, back to would quote unquote being scary. They, it, would he tell us if they were going to? And be that worried? they have the best that's, that's linebacker that they may have ever had. Yeah, that's that's some pretty high praise. It is. That's if if they're going in to be Bill's, that good on the Bill's defensive line. Highest opinion. That is very high praise. Look, just like our opinion. Yes, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. So BYU cannot go in <laughs> and play loose in terms of with the football. You want to play loose in terms of yeah, what, 
in terms of, you know, not having too much on your shoulders, but you can't go in and turn the ball over and put put a ball on the ground. Think about what Jerry. Pick six, yes. and then another pick six. Well, how about that just goes BYU's way for once? How about that? That would um, be fine. You know, Isaiah Heron's like, oh, yeah, I have a pick six. Chaz, or whatever. Peyton Wilger. Um, yes, why can't Utah just cough it up and BYU takes advantage? And uh, By the way, if if BYU beats Utah and you had your choice, would you rather it be dramatically? Would you rather play Utah in Provo or in Vegas next year? No. <laughs> <laughs> All we know is that BYU is playing Arizona in how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 46 days. So 46 days to Arizona, 53 to Utah. Okay, let's go, baby. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. He is a host from the Speak of the Devils podcast. He didn't hear your rant. Football insider. He didn't hear my rant. (laughs) I'm sure he. Well, maybe he is. Maybe he's 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 dialed in. Brad, this is not a personal issue. I assure you, this is not personal. We spoke with Brad Denny earlier this morning on BYU Sports Nation. Here's that conversation. Brad, what does your daily regime consist of about seven weeks away from the opening of the college football season? Well, it's getting ready for this upcoming season, you know, just kind of really getting back into the swing of things. Uh, ASU is probably going to open camp here in, in a few weeks. Uh, they got a rare Thursday opener. So, uh, you know, just getting back in the swing of things uh, in terms of just kind of the day-to-day with the, you know, the reporting, the podcast, getting, you know, it, it, things are starting to get a little bit back to normal in terms of, uh, you know, the, the COVID restrictions down here. We were able to see some of the spring practices actually in person a couple months ago. So, it's just, you know, getting back in the flow and, and getting ready to finally see some ball up, up, up close this season. Arizona State certainly expected to be pretty good this year. It's just how good. What are your expectations for this group? Yeah, this is going to be a season that is probably the most anticipated since perhaps going back even to 1996. Wow. Uh, there are a lot of veteran players on this team, a lot of key returners. ASU was the beneficiary of a lot of the super seniors. Uh, coming back, and since Herm Edwards got here, this is twenty twenty. This 2021 season has kind of been the the goal, the things that they were building towards. There was a lot of young guys that played, and now those guys are now key upperclassmen. Uh, so this is a season where if ASU is not very much in the Pac-12 South race, if not outright winning it, you could see a lot of uh, upset people within the program and a fan base at large. And if you want to assign a win total, I mean, I think anything short of nine wins – um, you know, barring any kind of widespread injury issues, would be looked at it as a disappointment. The schedule kind of breaks favorably in, in uh, for them this upcoming season. So, you know, if they're not challenging for that nine wins or at least a, a South crown, then I think that this season might be looked at as a as a disappointment. Brad Denny, host of the Devils Pod, is with us on BYU Sports Nation, breaking down Arizona State football. Now, when you brought Jake the Snake Plumber into the conversation in 1996, you caught my attention because that team went to the Rose Bowl, finished number four in the country. And really, for being honest, in the last 30-plus years, that's the best team that Arizona State's ever had. Is Jaden Daniels ready to enter that era or that uh, stratosphere with Jake the Snake Plumber? 
It would help. It certainly would help. And he certainly has the physical tools. Uh, during his freshman season in 2019, uh, he displayed a deft passing touch. Last season, he really kind of uh, showed off his running ability. But you know, he has yet to put it all together and find that consistency that that those top tier quarterbacks, those legendary quarterbacks like Jake the Snake, uh, are able to put forth. A big reason for some of the struggles last year was the fact that his wide receiver group. Uh, really was very inexperienced. Frank Darby was the lone veteran. He basically got injured very quickly in that opener, never was the same, and that left uh, Jaden with a lot of uh, freshman receivers to kind of work with. Uh, Plus, the run game was so good, they really didn't need to pass in the back half. So that's going to be one of the primary questions, is is can Jaden and this passing game take that next step? Because the running game and the offensive line look like it's going to be pretty good. But the big question is, you know, if they can – balance that out with a, an effective passing attack, then I think that's when ASU has the, the chance to go from pretty good to South contender. I want to talk about those pair of running backs uh, that were on the Doak Walker Award uh, watch list this morning, Rashad, uh, or Rashad White. Really impressive. Ten yards of carry. I know there were only a couple of games last year, but still, come on. The Mount Sac transfer was impressive. And then, correct me on the pronunciation, but uh, Chip uh, Trainum. Those, those two Got are it. a nice little pairing there. Yeah, it's definitely that, that kind of prototypical thunder and lightning combo. Uh, Trainum, you know, is a guy that came from Ohio. Uh, most people, you know, four-star recruit, a guy that many thought was going to be, you know, Ohio State's lose, and all of a sudden he commits to Arizona State, comes out here. I mean, he did not look like a freshman uh, last year. I mean, he, he is a you know, 230-pound team. He looks like a guy who has been around the program for a number of years. Uh, but he's also got some deceptive speed, but he his real – uh, biggest asset is he is a guy that can just really pound defenses uh, between the tackles. Uh, Rashad White is, was kind of the big revelation last year for this offense as both a runner and a receiver. As you mentioned, ten, over 10 yards per carry. He's a guy that, you know, a little little bit uh, more uh, uh, taller, 6'2", about 195, but he has very deceptive speed. He's one of those guys that just does not look like he's putting forth a ton of effort, yet he's outrunning the entire defense if he gets a seam. Just real silky smooth. Uh, he was also very effective at catching the ball out of the backfield. So uh, offensive coordinator Zach Hill has that option to kind of go with the thunder, lightning, and also look for another uh, you know, a three-headed uh, uh, tandem in, in that backfield uh, with Daniel Ngata. Uh, he was a four-star commit. Didn't really get on track uh, much uh, last year, but he had a really strong spring session. He's more of that kind of that scat back type, you know, smaller in stature, but very electric. Also very uh, a good receiver as well. So, you could have a lightning thunder and then, if possible, another uh, electrifying form out of that backfield uh, for the Sun Devil team. Brad Denny is with us. He is the host from the Speak of the Devils pod. Brad, I know that there was a bunch of fallout on social media about the Arizona State program and potential allegations of some serious infractions when it comes to breaking rules in the NCAA, but then it kind of seemed to just go away. Was there ever any reality to any of that? And is Arizona State going to be in the headlines for the wrong reasons, or should we just kind of put that one to bed? Uh, Arizona State just has to look down south to their hated rivals in Arizona to see the glacial pace that the NCAA likes to conduct <laughs> these investigations. Um, uh, you know, the, the, I think, believe the uh, the basketball investigation for the Wildcats is still ongoing. And so Arizona State is kind of taking a business-as-usual approach because this investigation is not going away, but I, it's not going to get wrapped up anytime soon. You know, There are some interesting factors in terms of the dossier um, that you know, was allegedly handed to uh, officials that it contained – um, you know, proof and screenshots, emails of these allegations. 
Uh, I do think that, the, you know, we've maybe not seen the last of things of these allegations or these viol- violations uh, come to light. There's certainly a lot of smoke around this program in terms of how it's conducted itself. But in terms of actual fire, you know, we'll, we'll leave the NCAA to figure out any kind of uh, long-term penalties. And those are most likely, you know, uh, going to be something that is down the road. So right now, uh, you know, it's, it's I think it's going to play a, a role in 2021 in terms of just a, a perhaps a focus standpoint, because even though they might say that, you know, they're just focusing on football, you can't help but have this as kind of a distraction at some level. But I think in terms of any kind of hard penalties or anything like that, I think that might be a year, maybe a, a couple years off. So uh, the, the AC was able to land a four-star running back commit right after that news broke. So, you know, it, it might be impacting recruiting a, a, to a little bit. That remains to be seen. But, you know, if AC can go out there in this fall and put together a 9-10 win season, that might help course correct some of the recruiting worries that these allegations might have uh, provided. We like to joke that BYU is also in the Pac-12 South because it's playing four of the six teams this year. Um, <laughs> that's not actually true, and one in the Pac-12 North. But anyway, uh, BYU competing for the Pac-12 South. We, we're going to pay attention with uh, a lot of interest in this. What's, what's the conversation like in terms of uh, who's the front runner? Do you feel like it's Utah versus the field, given how the Utes have been pretty consistent? Or is it USC, um, who's always sort of lingering there? It's like, are they going to be good or not? Because they're SC. Or is it Arizona State? It feels like an interesting race. Oh, it's very interesting, and I, I think all three of those teams are, are probably a cut above the, the rest of the field. Uh, Utah, you know, returns everybody every year. They're big and they're nasty on the on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they got some playmaking talent. They got a good secondary, but then the big question with them is, can they find a quarterback? Is, is Charlie Brewer going to be the guy? USC is always going to be kind of USC, just brimming with talent. But can Clay Helton and that staff? actually mold those guys take the next step they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country an, an arizona kid and keaton slovis uh and you know they have some questions in on defense you know is todd orlando's defense can take a, a step forward in year two and then of course arizona state coming with perhaps the most expectations in, in quite some time uh maybe even you know the 2015 uh, arizona state team coming off of their second consecutive 10 win year had some expectations as well this team, as mentioned off the top, has, has similar expectations, and the the defense is, returns basically intact with a lot of veteran talent and a bunch of super seniors. The offensive line uh, is back and the, probably the strongest it's been over the last two coaching staffs. Uh, some di- 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 dynamic playmakers in the backfield. You have a, a veteran quarterback in Jaden. Uh, so you, there's a lot of pieces in place. I think it's going to be a real dogfight. At, at this point, it's almost – uh, I think like you could like flip a three-sided coin or something like that because I think each of those teams ha- has a legitimate claim. Uh, I think the way that the schedule breaks out for the Sun Devils with hosting USC but then having to go on the road to Utah where they've had some struggles in recent years, uh, that could play a factor. Uh, so I think this is a wa- really a wide-open race, and I personally have not figured out who I might put atop the South on my, on my uh, Pac-12 media ballot. Brad Denny is an Arizona State football insider. He's with us on BYU Sports Nation. How would you sum up the impact that Herm Edwards has had on the program to this point? It's interesting that you know and people can rightfully claim that you know his record isn't you know, demonstrably better than uh, his predecessor Todd Graham, and I, I do you know, obviously that they're, they're, that is factual. But I do think that you know not all seven and five, so to speak, are created equal. By the end of uh, Todd Graham's regime, uh, the, the program had really kind of run out of steam. Some of the early successes and questions, uh, you know, it was probably time for a change. 
Uh, Herm comes in and his first couple of years, he play, lays a, a real strong foundation. I believe that first year they played like 30, 32, uh, you know, true freshmen. And so over the, the course of these last couple of years, the big focus has been revamping this roster, as they call it down here, the pro model. Uh, they've reshaped the program to operate like an NFL franchise, and they want NFL size and measurables uh, on this roster. And so in the last several recruiting classes, you've seen this team achieve that. So they have a bunch of guys who look like potential NFL players. Now, whether they actually can perform to a level to make that next jump, that remains to be seen this, this fall. But I think that what Herm has done is really transformed this program, infused a, a lot of talent, a lot of you know si- bigger, stronger, faster guys. And so now it's going to be a, a situation of is, the, is 20, 2021 is – in my view, kind of a referendum year. Is this pro model, is this new leadership model, everything that they, all the buzzwords they had at the, oh, the introductory press conference, is this going to pay off? Is this, this is going to be the year that they're going to show some progress or perhaps a lack of progress. And then that might place the kind of the, the future of the program in question if they aren't able to meet those lofty goals, because this is a, a, a team that is Herms, that is Antonio Pierce, his right-hand man and now defensive coordinator that they put together. If they're not able to reach that, you know, that, that's a troubling sign. Or perhaps, you know, all the all the work that they put in playing their guys, building that foundation of years could pay off, uh, you know, with a, a soft title. Brad, we appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing Arizona State and BYU play in Provo on September 18th. Should be a fun one. Thanks, guys. Brad Denny with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm wondering if he heard How do you feel now? Rant. I'm, I'm wondering if he heard my rant before. Like, I, I, I he gave me some insider information, right? I still think they're like an eight-win team, Jerem. Eight, and that might include yeah. a bowl game win. Like, they might go seven and five in the regular season. That'd be underachieving based on the expectations. Well, and he um, just told us if this team doesn't win nine games, it will be considered a disappointment. Yes, given who they have and coming back. So that's really interesting. Okay, Arizona Should State. I be way more worried about Arizona State? I wouldn't say worried. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I think BYU is an eight-ish win team. I think BYU is on par with Arizona State. Honestly, I think BYU would be more like Arizona State than we want to admit in the Pac-12, where it's like, yes, some years you're like an eight-win team, but other years you're like a six-win team. And then you have that one special year where you win nine. I don't see how BYU would win ten in a Power 5 league anytime soon um, with an honor code. The Sun Devils. it's It's just tough, right? Hopefully BYU can get to that point. We have yet to see it. The Sun Devils play Southern Utah and UNLV Yep, in Tempe. I've heard of those two schools. Before they travel to Provo for BYU. BYU is going to be their first real opponent, and, and it's going to be on the road. And BYU is coming off of Utah. Either they're riding an emotional high or just devastated. Like if BYU beats Utah, the then, then watch out against Arizona State. Well, it might be let down city. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Watch yes. out. Yes. Like, yes. I, but I don't even care. I would trade an Arizona State loss for Utah win yes. right now. Yes. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Speaking of men's hoops, little off-season edition of What's the Chance right now, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Do we? Oh, we have a little What's the Chance something, don't we? Do we? BYU Sports Nation asks, what's the chance? The chance is 100% we're about to play, so let's go. Okay, number one. ESPN says BYU's the team to beat at the Diamond Head Classic around Christmas time, taking on South Florida, then Vanderbilt or Hawaii, and then we'll see after that. 
What's the chance Barry Hoops wins that the Diamond Head Classic? Um, eighty-five plus. That high? Look, you mentioned some of the teams: South Florida, Vandy, Hawaii, Liberty, uh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, BYU, Wyoming. BYU should win. What if BYU has to go to Hawaii to play <laughs> Wyoming? Look, that'd be weird. absolutely BYU should be winning this tournament. I would like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, specifically, yeah, I'll go. You know, I'll go pretty high, like seventy-five percent. Um, not as high as you, but yeah, uh, looking for that breakout Tyler Algier performance uh, on the basketball court as well. <laughs> okay, you know, you know. Yeah. Um, I I really want BYU to play Hawaii because I want a little revenge in another sport after men's volleyball. I need that. I need to see for BYU. your soul. You need that. I need that. to see. It, the, I horcruxed my soul out. I need <laughs> to see BYU beat Hawaii at the Stan Sheriff Center. I think you're going to see that. Let's go. Okay. All right. No, okay. no, no. Let's physically go to Hawaii and see it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Fine. Yeah. You got enough points for both of us? Nope. I'm not Spencer. <laughs> Spencer have enough points for both of That's us. That's all their points. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. You and I are the guys behind that call the games when they leave. That's true. So that is true. The point. That is true. We're, all right. We're here to serve. Also, according to ESPN, I believe they are the worldwide leader in sports. So, Alex Barcelo could be the most dominant player at the Diamond Head Classic. So what's the chance he's the guy for BYU all season? I think it's safe to say he'll start as the guy. I think he'll probably finish as the guy. But there's a chance that Caleb Lohner emerges as the face and best player on this team. Alex Barcelo is tremendous. Um, All-American player. Uh, shoots the lights out. One of the best three-point shooters in BYU history. But there's a chance that Cal- Caleb Lohner's... Okay, Alex Barcelo is tremendous. Caleb Lohner's ceiling is higher than Alex Barcelo's as a basketball player. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see if Caleb makes that jump this year or next year. But I think Caleb Lohner, had, like, he is, he is an NBA prospect. Yes. Um, it's early, but that's when you want it to happen. Um, if Caleb Lohner kind of hits his peak, he won't be here four years, I think. All right, so what's the chance? You, what, you got a percentage on this? Oh, I, um, oh yeah. I, I missed that part. <laughs> what's the chance he's the guy? <laughs> Uh, it's still high, like 60 Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. I'm yeah. going to go 60. And Maybe Tijon Lucas look, is incredible. And the, and the other guy that you mentioned is, is the other guy in consideration for this is Caleb Lohner. Yeah. I mean, you, you can make an argument that Caleb Lohner is the most talented player on the team. In terms of having the most talent, that Caleb, Caleb Lohner, had, the sky is the limit for Caleb Lohner. We, what we saw in his freshman season is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And that should make BYU basketball fans so happy because this guy is so talented. Yeah. A.B., first-team all-conference guy. He's an All-American candidate. He's tremendous. Okay, what's the chance Elijah Bryant and the Bucks are NBA champions tomorrow night? Uh, I hope it's very, very high because I, I do not want the Suns and Chris Paul to win. So, Tell me how you really feel, Paul. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm, look, they're at home. Winning four in a row is going to be difficult, but they're at home. I, I can't go like 80 plus. I'm going to say 75%. Yeah. So I'm going to say 75% that they win it, but you cannot. Uh, Phoenix is really, really good, and they have made mistakes that have cost them dearly over the last couple of games, but you, you cannot count them dearly. out. Dearly, that's funny. In a, I did not mean that. Dearly, <laughs> the Deer District. Yep. We need a cool nickname like that. Like the Deer District, like the Cougar. The playoff. Oh, I was thinking when you said we had the Jazz. I was thinking the NBA. But we do that too. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say seventy five percent. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go seventy six. Just one more than you. Um, okay. Vegas right. has Bucks by five. By the way. Okay. All right. 
Speaking of Caleb Lohner, he made this impressive shot at a carnival over the weekend. Uh, what's the chance that you could make the same shot? This is deep, and that net's high. Uh, I don't have the uh, the arc that's really here, but uh, that's smooth stroke. I could make it, but chances are I'm not. He also put, give me the dragon. I think that's like a stuffed animal he was going for. Uh, I, for, for me, the chance that, uh, that I could make the same shot, like maybe 25%. Okay. By the way, every carnival looks I'll, I'll the same. I'll go like 38% chance for me. Like one in three-ish. Yeah. Every carnival does look the same. They, every carnival, I love carnivals. Yes. They're great. Yes. They're great. Do you have any uh, funnel cake? No. Love a funnel cake. Funnel cake's excellent. Delicious. Elephant ears? Question mark. Nobody's talking about. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Time for Top 5 Tuesday 2020 Lopini Katoa Edition, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number 5, four-yard rushing touchdown versus Texas State. Look at this. Lopini getting the ball and absolutely destroying the defender into the end zone. Katoa scoring uh, the first of seven BYU touchdowns in that win, 52-14. He finished with eight carries and 35 yards, including ruining that guy's day. I think it was ruined, generally speaking. Uh, because of the final the score? Yeah, the yes. final score. Number four, a 20-yard touchdown run at Boise State. Another big win, this time uh, 51-17 on the Smurf turf. One of six second-half touchdowns for the Cougars, breaking a bunch of tackles in the process. And Lopini Katoa and BYU win for the first time on the blue turf. Numero Trace. A 39-yard rushing touchdown at Navy, opening up the season, and there he goes. Look at the blocking from the offensive line. Katoa taking it 39 yards in for the score. Lopini rushed for 80 of BYU's 301 yards on the ground in the dominating win to begin the 2020 season at Navy. If only Navy had practiced tackling prior to the game. (laughs) What a terrible excuse. Number two. 42-yard touchdown catch against Western Kentucky. Blitz leaves him open out of the backfield. Four touchdowns. Excuse me, only four total touches in this game, but uh, one for this touchdown. 41-10 win, another blowout. And, uh, man, he's good out of the backfield, too. It's not just about rushing with Lopini Cotella, cutting it up. Number one. You probably guessed it before we even started it. The 30-yard, unbelievable, full extension catch in the bowl game. The Superman catch. That is unbelievable. And as I mentioned, for a while it was my Twitter banner. Uh, That is just an unbelievable catch. Katoa finished the game second in rushing and receiving for the Cougars. Obviously capping off BYU's season last year with an impressive win in the bowl game. What Look a, at that catch. What a great catch. That by is Lopini unbelievable. Katoa. I'm expecting to see more passes to the running backs this year. Yeah. I, I think getting them out of the backfield. Of this man. He catches yes. the ball and gets up. Lopini Katoa is great at that. Absolutely. I love it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
on BYU Radio. Oh, Arizona State on the docket today and what's trending. The Sun Devils have massive expectations within their own fan base. They visit Provo and BYU Game 3 for the Cougars in the 2021 slate on September 18th. It's one week after the almighty showdown with Utah as BYU tries to snap that nine-game losing streak. Jared, my question is, will Arizona State be a more difficult game than Utah one week prior? When the dust settles at the end of the year, it might be. But I think right now I would say, well, the streak against Utah weighs heavily on the perception of how hard that game's going to be. Okay. Because you're not just playing Utah. You're playing the streak as well. Totally fair. You're playing that mental mess. Yes, you're playing history, which is a heavy burden for this BYU team. Hopefully they don't feel that and they can just play this one game. Oh, by the way, we talked about it yesterday. This Utah game's worth four years' worth. They didn't play last year, and they're not playing the next two. This is year's, this is year worth four years. That's right. Utah opted for Florida. Florida. So it's a four-year game. If BYU wins, BYU's going to carry that all the way up to 24. If Utah wins, they're going to carry the streak from 2010 to 24. Ooh. Okay? That's, that's hard. So Arizona State's interesting. Let's talk about it um, on this, you know, Opponent preview as we continue those. Arizona State only played a couple of games last year, two and two. Lost those two games close. Yes. In in 2019, they kind of took a step forward and were eight and five and won the Sun Bowl and with a freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels, who is really dynamic. He's not going to chuck it down the field a ton. He's a little light, but he's very fast. Sure. So he he runs well. He's very efficient as a passer. They've got a couple of good running backs. Uh, I highlighted in my 10 and 10. I really like Rashad White, who averaged 10 yards a carry. Again, only four games, but still. um, They have a couple other running backs that are pretty good. Receivers, uh, typically talented. They produce a receiver in the NFL every couple years, it feels like. You've got the quote-unquote pro model um, with Herm Edwards. <laughs> How'd that and, work out for BYU? Anto- nice. One year. Let's keep it going. Antonio Pierce as uh, the D.C. He played in the NFL, right? Um, Zach Hill's the offensive coordinator. He was at Boise State for a few years, so we've seen kind of what Zach Hill offenses can do. Arizona State's going to be good, like eight-plus good. But how good will they be is the question. Like, mm. will they actually win the South or not? I feel like it's Utah versus the field. USC's got to show me something. USC's actually done stuff. Arizona State needs to show me what they've got in this. If they win the South, I think that'd be a a surprise. But they have Herm Edwards, Jerem. He's going to fix everything. Yeah, because NFL coaches going to college just means automatically. Just like Chip Kelly's going to fix everything at UCLA. UCLA sucks. Uh huh. I'm so glad that we're talking about this, and specifically Arizona State today, because you know what? Arizona State, for me, is right there with UCLA in terms of the most overrated college football teams on an annual basis in the country. It happens Oh, you're giving them the UCLA respect. Not quite. Okay, UCLA is the king of that group, if you will. Arizona State is making their way up there. They're just a notch below UCLA. Listen to this. And I know... The past does not define what can happen to a team in any one individual year. But it's an indicator of the future. Holy cow. And there have been a lot of indicators that Arizona State is traditionally overrated, painfully overrated. Okay, One Rose Bowl in the last 35 years. That was in 1996, the same year that BYU finished number 5 and won the the Cotton Bowl. Okay? Yeah. Only two ever. We've only got the two two ever. Two Rose Bowls ever. The, The other one was in 1986. Yeah. It's been a long time. 
This one is, oh man, this one really indicts the program, okay? Four double-digit win seasons over the last 35 years. That's bad. Four? What? Why are we crowning Arizona State every year? Jerem, they've been ranked in 20. I don't feel like we are, just okay? this year. They've been ranked in 20 of the last 30 seasons, okay? That's pretty good. Okay, Go 2-0. and Definitely more often ranked preseason than post. They've only finished ranked, so of the 20 seasons that they've had a ranking in a season, yeah. they've only finished ranked six times. They sputter out traditionally a lot yeah and they've never finished higher in the poll than their high rank like th- their highest rank in the postseason has never equaled what it's been somewhere in the regular season that wraps up the best of byu sports nation this week tune in next saturday for the cougar news you need to hear and catch the byu sports nation simulcast every day at noon eastern nine pacific on byu tv and BYU Radio.